You are now listening to the Funkaholics Podcast. Funkaholics, welcome back to another episode. Today we are back talking Dark Side of the Ring, and I've got my boy over here with me, Sal. What's up, everybody? Happy to be back. We're going to be breaking down the season one of Dark Side of the Ring. And let me tell you, people, if you have not watched this episode, you are, or season, let's let's go season, you are missing out. There's a WWE, WWF, AEW, WCW, AEW, whatever W, you got to watch these because it's a, a lot of great history, a lot of great stories being told, a lot of information that I actually didn't know about. Yeah, man. And just follow up. I mean, I'm a wrestling fan from back in the day. You know, I'm watching this. I'm watching it with my wife, who honestly doesn't care about wrestling. And she got just as much into these episodes as I did because they uh, they really show you the human side of these wrestlers. And they deep, uh, you know, they take a deep dive into their private lives and stuff that, you know, as a fan, you don't normally get to see. And it, they're, they get you, man. They, 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 they get you hooked and uh, really great storytelling. So, yeah, if you have not seen this show yet, I, you know, it's on the Vice channel, but I believe you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, sit down, watch it by yourself, watch it with your significant other, watch it with your kids, show them some history. And, um, yeah, no, great series. Season one was a great start. And, and obviously they made a, a second season that we'll get into in another episode. But, yeah, I'm ready to uh, jump into this. Oh man, this is and just how you were saying, like um, the diff, the different perspective. You know, it, it was I love the way that it was told because we got it from people that were actually in there. Yeah, like let's dive in episode one. Episode one, match made in heaven. Oh yeah, yeah, buddy, yeah. <laughs> we the got Macho Man, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. Two very huge, iconic characters when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I mean, if you watched any kind of wrestling in the 80s, 90s, you know the Macho Man. And, I mean, we've all got... I mean, if you watch the Macho Man, everybody's got some kind of memory tied to him. And if it wasn't because of wrestling, it's, you know, Slim Jim Macho Man. You know, you had the toy. You had something. But, I mean, the Macho Man was... He was huge. Yeah. He's right right there underneath Hulk, right? So. And you couldn't have Macho Man without Miss Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Or definitely. Scary Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, come on. Who didn't have a crush on Miss Elizabeth, oh, right? Guilty. Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> it was a... This episode I absolutely love because I know growing up... I, shit, I'm guilty. I was tearing up, man, when he proposed to her and she gave him the iconic saying, the oh, yeah, and just yeah. the look on his face and... You know how Macho Man was always hyped up and just looking around at the crowd and I was just I was one of those ones screaming from my TV, man. Just saying like, Yes, she said yes, we're gonna get the <laughs> we're gonna get the match made in heaven, the wedding and all that and you know. So all of that was like really great and just just watching all that when when I was growing up with this, when I was a kid, the only view that I got to see from it was everything that looked beautiful. Right. Yeah, you, you got the the storybook, the perfect, you know, fairy tale type story of, of this couple together and watching Dark Side of the Ring, you get to see a the, dark side. the dark side, the reality, <laughs> the the struggles they had in their relationships. Yeah, it, it's it it's weird because you would think something like this might ruin the image you had, but it doesn't. It actually like amplifies it yeah you know because you you get to see like i said earlier the human side and and their personal lives and and you know the struggles and, and it's weird the, the friendships they had right 
Because how close? Uh, who was it? Uh, was Elizabeth was close to um, Hulk Hogan's Hulk wife. wife? Right. Thank you. And just just uh, you know the relationships they had, and, and and I guess you just don't think about or don't care about what they do outside of the ring. You know right. what I mean? So to hear some of the stories of how you know they interacted, it's it, it's it's definitely heartfelt. You know, and, and you get you get emotionally. This was a, a bit of a tearjerker yeah. at times on, on this episode. You emotionally get attached to it based off of just the stories that you're hearing. the 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 theme that I loved is I listened to multiple podcasts. I even listened to the Funkaholics podcast. Hey, <laughs> you hear these stories from other wrestlers, and I know one of the things that I always heard here because you hear the locker room talk, right? And they would always say that Macho Man was real protective over Miss Elizabeth. Right. You know, every time they came in, she would go straight to her room. She always had a private room. She never got to keep, be put with the other female wrestlers or you know other you know any other individuals. It was always just her and him. Getting to hear the story or the the perspective from Hulk Hogan's wife was really interesting because just the way that she was breaking it down and, and telling the story everything else kind of collaborated and it came together right you know so yeah because as a fan you hear you know the bits and pieces and all that but to hear like you said people who are actually living it with them on a, on a daily basis the good and the bad that they that they would see it yeah it, it really solidifies the whole story right yeah miss elizabeth if we would have never had miss elizabeth we would have never got that iconic episode that episode that the world knows between jake the snake roberts right and macho man right because who was the one that gave them a special gift and when miss elizabeth opened it up right a fucking python comes out of the out of the out of the out of the box yeah i mean uh, well in the whole like georgie emerald steel storyline uh well then the whole storyline with hogan right and how yeah. they, they turned on each other and yeah i mean we got so many great stories just from that one story like it multiplied yeah no yeah i mean whoever was writing at the time for for wwf yeah i, I mean they they took the macho elizabeth relationship and and really branched it out into some really great storylines that like you said even what 30 years later yeah 40 years later whatever it's been now i mean we still remember yeah you know yeah i guess it's been 30 plus years that since some of these storylines and and they're still fresh in our minds right yeah. it's, it's still that memory like i mean like you know, me and you have talked. For me, I think Macho Man. I think Macho Man Steamboat at WrestleMania. But yeah, it's same thing. You think about George the Animal Steel, all all of those great storylines that like said blossom from one actual relationship. You know what cracks me up, and the thing that I, the one of the biggest pieces that I took from this episode was Jake the Snake story, mm. where Macho Man walks into the locker room and tells him, you know, so hey, you know, I you know I know we're uh, we're gonna be doing this you know this this part in the ring but you know has has the snake been checked out has <laughs> right. it been devenomized and jake the snake is doing it in rant in macho man's voice and it sounds identical <laughs> and yeah. he grabs your attention because you can literally picture macho man in the locker room telling this dude like i want that snake to bite you so i can see that someone's not trying to pull you know some type right. of job over me or yeah, something yeah, exactly. you know well and, and what's funny i mean going back to that and this this is more just speaking about the show in general but the reenactments that the show does i mean because obviously they don't have macho man they don't have right they can't and they and the, the, the way they did it they didn't get cheesy actors that look like the guys right they they did this like kind of in the shadows type shots to where it's basically silhouettes. Yeah. But the silhouettes are so well done and the shots are so well done that 
it feels like you're looking at a conversation between Macho and Jake the Snake. Yep. Or, yeah, I, I mean, just the show in general did a great, great job on their reenactments. Yeah. Definitely. The guys that directed this, they did an amazing job. And oh, yeah. And you can tell they're wrestling fans. Exactly. They, they, you can see the passion that they have for wrestling because it shows up on the screen. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. And with them being fans, they knew exactly what the fans would have wanted from this. Right. And I know I got absolutely everything that I wanted. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. this episode even takes you down a, a, a dark path. You know, to where the split happens between Macho Man and then she develops this relationship with Lex Luger. Right. And that's where it gets super dark. Yeah, then it gets, yeah. And that's stuff that you don't realize. I remember yeah. hearing about it when they start talking about the drug use and her whole relationship with Luger. And then obviously, you know, Macho Man. And it, it gets ugly, man. It, it gets dark. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it the, really does. The crazy thing about that is, you know, when... Like you said, you know, when we're when we're growing up with this, you know, we we look at these wrestlers and you know we look at them like they're invincible, like they're the superhero. Right. But then when you see like when you get this part of the story as you grow older, you're just like, damn, this dude was a real pos. Like you know, like you, <laughs> yeah, you it's that love hate relationship, yeah. almost like when they're you know when they're actual characters when they go from you know from heel to what's the word I'm looking for babyface babyface. Or, you know, baby face to heel or heel to baby face, you know, yeah. it's, it, you know, every, that's the thing that I love about wrestling so much is you never know what you're going to get one week from, to, you know, to right. another, you know, I it, call it the man soap opera. Yeah, they, they, they throw a swerve in there and whoop, everything you thought was going to yeah. happen didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, for sure, man. It, it's, it's weird how as a fan of wrestling or any kind of sport or even movies, right? You, you have this picture of what this person is outside of where you normally see them and, and hear stories of them not being that guy or that girl. Yeah, it, it can kind of throw you for, for a loop. But, you know, it's it's great. Yeah. At, the same, at the same time, it, it you, you can't get enough of it. Yeah. I mean, just when you think, you know, these all these wrestlers are retired and everything and you're moving on to these new ones, Vince McMahon is still getting a hold of you somehow and you're reliving those old times. Right. With locker room stories. Right. You know, and I mean, in all honesty, I know for me as a, as a wrestling fan, I love those backstage stories. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, it just gives me that much more to this wrestler that I've either been obsessing over or, you know, just, you know, idolizing. You, you get more, you know, you, you find out more about them. Yeah. And that's the best part of the show is that you, you really do get to see so much more. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, from people that were actually around them, you know, so there's more, there's more belief in it. Legitimacy. More, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that covers episode one and what a way to start it off. Yeah. And like I said, guys, I mean, we're just scraping the surface here. I mean, for us to go, we could probably do an hour or two on each episode. So if seriously, go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> go watch it. it yeah. Just go check it out. <laughs> episode two, the Montreal oh. screw job. Bro. Brett the Hitman Hart and Bro. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and Vince. Cause and I mean, Vince. Because, I mean, it wouldn't have happened without Vince. Oh, my God. Like, bro, you watch it. <laughs> and, I mean, I was a Hitman fan, you know, not huge. But you always had that respect for Hitman because he was such a good wrestler. But, damn, bro, you watch, you, he, I mean, you watch this episode and the way Vince did him dirty and and just i mean i get i i don't know if people don't know exactly what the screw job is you know basically it was a match brett thought one way was going to happen and basically the the referee you know 
counted three when, when, or no, he didn't count three. He 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 submitted him, right? Yeah, he, had him he in, submitted him. Sorry, yeah, yeah. He's he you know he said he submitted when he really didn't submit and uh, called the match and and so next thing you know, Bret Hart's losing his shit and spitting in Vince's face and doing the WCW sign in the air saying that he's leaving WWF or WCW. Bro, this, talking about a match that just gets out of control. Yeah, I well, just and the whole lead up. God, Shawn Michaels was a dick. Yeah. I mean, I had heard that about him, but the more and more of these episodes and locker room podcasts you hear, man, Shawn Michaels was just <laughs> right wow (laughs) he was something else yeah man and so yeah this is another episode that so good so so good it just it goes into depth on on so many different storylines and yeah gotta watch it it's so good this one you definitely gotta watch i mean they went back and forth but you know watching the match and then hearing everything that went on in the background made it that much more of like a greater match like it's it's almost like you want to call it legendary because you get everything that wrapped around it right you know i couldn't like just how you were saying like you know brett the hitman heart to to be that pissed off to spit in his boss's face, and I mean, and it was, I mean, it oh, was, was a loogie, yeah, yeah, it was a loogie, <laughs> dude, like, he took his time on that one, just to watch Vince McMahon wiping that off of his face, and the look, and Vince McMahon is such a mastermind, like, you almost kind of, like, believe that he, like, plotted this whole thing for it to happen that way, and it, and it happened exactly, like, the way yeah. you think that he would envision it to happen, you know, and then him drying out, like you said, the WCW in the air, and... You know, yeah, and, and it took uh, Owen and, and uh, Anvil to come out and take him to the back. Yeah. Because Brett was pissed. He didn't want to leave the, the ring. And they had to go and basically tell him, bro, just, it's not worth it. Let's go. Let it go. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, it's... yeah which, I mean, it, that's his life, man. Like, yeah. they, they, he, he... He didn't want to go to to WCW, you know. He he was WWF. He he he. That that was him. When every you know when all the other guys were were making that switch to WCW, yeah. you know, when Nash and Hall and all those guys they all bailed. Hart didn't want to go. You know, he was the one kind of keeping WWF alive at that time. Yeah. Like I said, they go into depth in the episode talking about you know the contracts and all that that they were trying to work out and you know the storylines they were trying to work out and and Bret Hart thought it was going to go one way and then boom the screw job totally opposite way totally totally what he didn't expect and then you know he did go to WCW unfortunately the people at WCW really didn't know how to use him i mean he he uh he went he wasted over there man i mean at, at the time me personally i was a bigger WCW than WWF fan at the time i i loved the whole NWO angle and and everything they were doing in WCWs you know I, I remember, you know, Bret Hart showing up and, oh, wow, Bret Hart here, and, you know, right? But then they made him join NWO, right? But by then it was like, who wasn't NWO? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it almost killed the NWO angle because of it. Because it was like, who wasn't? It was like Sting? I don't, like, who was? It was like Sting against NWO, right? Yeah, it was like, there was were, like hardly anybody left. It got to be so much that, I mean... That's where Nash and Hall started pulling away from Hollywood. Right. And then you got the Wolf Pack. Then you got the Wolf Pack. Yeah. And then Sting went with the Wolf Pack. You had Luger with them. Macho Man even yeah. stepped in with the Wolf Pack for a little bit. I that's one thing that Dark Side of the Ring definitely needs to get the story on. The they NWO need to do the NWO the, story. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than you, you know. You know, you hear the stories from Bischoff, you hear stories from Scott Hall, you hear stories from Nash, you know, but you don't hear other stories from, like, Sting. He, I've never really heard him talk I, about yeah, it. Yeah, you never hear Sting talk about anything. Um, 
you know, some of the other wrestlers that were involved in it. But, you know, on that one, you know, you just you just see how it just became overwhelming. And I think they went so far with it that they didn't know that they were just like, you know what, let's turn let's turn WCW into NWO. Basically. Because, I mean, you yeah, know. Cause, I mean, even when you watch uh, the WWE Network and, and they did their uh, series on uh, the Monday Night Wars. Monday Night Wars. You, you know, don't get me wrong. Everything on, on the WWE Network is great, but it's kind of sanitized. Yeah. You know what I mean? And whereas, like I said, Dark Side of the Ring, they don't sanitize it. You know, you're getting the grime and, and all the nasty, you know. So, I, yeah, I'd love to see maybe a little bit more of a grimy look at uh, NWO and the Monday Night Wars. Oh, definitely. But One that I would like to see broken yeah, down. Yeah, Dark Side is... of the Ring, if you're listening, season three, <laughs> give us the Monday Night Wars. Exactly. <laughs> Or NWO, or even a story on Eric Bischoff, man. Oh, I bet, yeah. That's, yeah, I bet that's that, a guys. dude that I would like to see. <laughs> All right, well, Montreal Screwjob, like, you got, like I said, guys, we could go on and on about it, but you got to see it for yourselves. Episode 3, The Killing of Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody. Uh, you know, Bruiser, he, he uh, when I started watching wrestling, it was probably towards more towards the tail end of his career. He was a beast, though, even back in the day. I mean, there there wasn't guys who looked the way he looked. You know, he was just a big dude. Um, again, it, sad story. You know, just the way it, it all went down. The, you know, it. I, I don't know. It, it, it was a, it was kind of another episode that's tough to watch. A, a lot of these are tough to watch. They are. Because you, you see, um, you know, there's just a, a lot of dark stuff that goes out, on outside of the ring. The the crazy thing that I, you know, that I, that I got to see with this, you know, and the one thing that I liked the most was hearing from his wife's point of view. Mm-hmm. I know when she was saying that, you know, Bruiser Brody was this character that was out of control, crazy, hardcore, just, you know, almost like a real asshole. But then she said, you know, when he was out of character, this was the softest guy that you'd ever meet in your life, you right. know? The way that it went down in the locker room and the investigation, it it leaves you with a sense of emptiness because it's almost like they just brushed it off, like saying, like, it happened out of self-defense or, you know, it happened out of this or, like, they never really went further into it. You know, this is an iconic wrestler, I guess, back in that, back in those days and at that time. And spoiler alert, kind of leads into season two when we talk about that is the Chris Benoit story. Right, which is a story that I know that everybody wanted to hear, and I know for one that I, I, I was dying for that one. Right, the way the investigations go, almost they're almost like identical to each other. Like it's 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 crazy just to hear. Like I mean, they even pull like the people that did the investigations. Right, they get their story. I mean, it almost sounds like they did it like the damn OJ. Yeah, that that is another thing about uh, this series that's so impressive is that man they talk to like the actual cops. Who were like the first ones on the scene. They talked to like a nurse or a paramedic that was assessing him. I mean, yeah, they get a lot of great locker room stories from other wrestlers. And they talk to a lot of the spouses. Yeah, it's incredible some of the people that that they get to talk to them. And and it really does lead to, like you said, even, even more exposing more truth, I guess you could say, behind these stories. Tony Atlas's perspective was really interesting yeah you know and 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 the other thing that i liked that where they broke down was they were just saying you know like when he did get stabbed like they said like the crowd control trying to get him through the paramedics just trying to get through the traffic then 
on the way to the hospital there was more traffic like it's just like you almost get the feeling like like damn you know was there gonna be anything that was gonna save this guy like it was like it was just his time to go you yeah. know and just everything leading up to it you know, the way that it happened to the locker room, you know, the way that Gonzalez felt about the way Bruiser Brody handled him in the ring, you know, it just kind of, you, you get all these different perspectives and then you can kind of almost visually understand how it led up to that locker room argument. And then the next thing you know is Bruiser Brody's on the floor and Gonzalez is holding a knife. Right. You know, and then you hear Tony Atlas's, you know, uh, side of it. And I know they said that he was a big piece of, you know, the, you know, the, the, to the investigation and, you know, his perspective and the way he broke it down. I mean, it's just, it's like you said, it's, uh, it, it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. It, 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 that was definitely a hard one to watch. And on that one, guys, like I said, that's, that's another episode that is, really great i mean i'm almost i can't even believe that they put all these great episodes into one season because you almost sit there and think like well these are so great what is, what's left yeah what and, are they gonna and, be able to do next and i know i've heard uh the creators on other podcasts and they ask them those questions and they're like you know when they when they initially pitched this device they had to come up with heavy hitters yeah right because they they needed heavy hitters for every episode because they didn't think there was gonna be an ep uh, season two, right? right? So they're like, "Hey, let's let's throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Hopefully, we have success." And they did. They did. So yeah, no, it, literally season one, top to bottom, it, it's solid. Definitely. Yeah. So that's the kit. That's the that's episode episode three, uh, the killing of Bruiser Brody. Episode four takes us to the last of the Von Erics. Oh man, <laughs> this one, man. If you don't get teary eyed in this episode, I don't. I mean, I I, don't, I know a lot of the newer fans probably don't know the Von Erics, right? Me personally, I grew up on the Von Erich. I remember them, you know, in the, you know, they had all the great battles with you know, Chris Adams yep. and, uh, oh God, I'm, now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um, but they were a major part of uh, uh, Japanese wrestling. I yeah, mean, uh, yeah, those they're guys, the ones that kind of open up the doors for that for other wrestlers. And it's a whole family of them. Yeah. You know? But, oh my God, what a cursed family. That's... I was just going to say that, dude. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, have... I feel like that family had a hex over them. Like, it has to, right? <laughs> How do you have so much death in one family? How? You know what I mean? And and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know? And I remember being a kid and I remember... When Kerry Von Erich died, and because by then Kerry Von Erich had already gone to the WWF, right? Mm -hmm. He made it big. He went to the Texas Tornado. Texas Tornado, I love that dude. You know what I mean? But even again, here's a wrestler who he was uh, wrestling in. It was a World Championship wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. Or World Class, World Class, World Class Championship wrestling. WCCW. Yeah, in Texas, but it was Texas based, and the Von Erichs ruled it, right? And they would fight, like I said, Chris Adams and like Kamala. Wasn't Kamala there back in the day? Maybe even Abdullah the Butcher, guys like that. But I mean, but they ruled it. The yeah. Von Erics, they, they ruled it, right? I think Kerry was a champ. I think him and his brothers were tag champs, six man champs. I mean, they were everything. They covered everything. And then so then Kerry goes to the WWF and they're making the, the Texas Tornado. And um, I remember him having some success, but never, he never got over the way. He was in Texas. Yeah, you know? in the World Class Championship Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but I remember being a kid and him dying and, and just being like, "What?" Like, because he was so big. He was he was a big dude for back in the day. Yeah, you know I mean, he was just this big muscular guy, and and then he died. I was like, 
whoa, no way. Because he, he just seemed like one of those guys who were like superhuman. Yeah. And my time with the Von Erichs is I knew, I was familiar with David Von Erich. Kerry Von Erich was the one, the biggest one that I knew, right. you know, because Texas Tornado, he always reminded me somewhat similar of, you know, the same build and kind of like the mold of Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Um, right. You know, they, they had the tassels wrapped around their arms. You know, these dudes were cut up, big, tall. They had the tassels hanging from the boots. That was one of the biggest things that I always remember with with, uh, with the Texas Tornado. Getting to see that story and, like you said, it's just how is his family so cursed? Yeah. You know, their dad started out as a wrestler. What was there, like four or five sons? I think it was five. And Carrie. There, let's see. Carrie, Kevin, David. So the second generation was Jack Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, David Von Erich, Carrie Von Erich, Mike Von Erich, Chris Von Erich. So it was six of them. Okay. Four, five of them passed at an early age? Yeah. At a young age? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's just one left, right? Yeah. And he was the one telling, he's the, the, one story telling the, the story. Yeah, yeah. He's the one telling the story in the episode. And you can tell on his face, he's just, just so. You can see he's just so pained telling yeah. the story. This is a, a story that it, it it hurts to watch, and and especially like I said, if if you're if you're old enough to remember the Von Erics, especially their time in a world class, it, it's like wow, you for because there's so much of this that I remember, but I forgot. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because you, you know you 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 see so much every day, right? But all of a sudden they show like a clip of an old match. Or they mention a, a wrestler's name, mm-hmm. and all these memories come flooding back. It's crazy, right? Yeah, so it's it's weird. There, there's so much that memories I have of them, but so much I forgot. And so seeing this, it's like, man, I love those guys. Oh man, I remember that match. Yep. And then to hear again what a tragic end they had, and it it really is heartbreaking. And they're and you hate to see that for them because. It's, they're, they're such a talented family, six sons and all of them are, you know, these superstar athletes and, you know, making their way in the wrestling business and, you know, they're, they're deep in, you know, because it even goes back to NWA, AWA, you had the fabulous Freebirds in there, you had Ric Flair coming up, I mean, that's when... Flair and Kerry was a huge match. Yeah. Oh my God, that was a huge That's when it was like all regional wrestling, you know, where you just had like, you know, just different regions you yeah. know moving around and they, they, would, they would lend each other wrestlers exactly and, yeah. um and you know you just it's hard to wrap your head or at least for me it was hard for me to wrap my head around like the curse you know it's it's one of those legends in wrestling you know that the von erics had so much talent but yet it was short-lived yeah you know and, and it's funny you know remembering all this stuff it's it's you get nostalgic i know i I've been collecting my wrestling figures as of late, and you know I'm trying to get all these guys I used to have. And man, the Von Erichs just don't have a whole lot of figures. They don't, you know, and they have I think uh, a, a cup. They have like an older figure, then they have some elites, some older elites. Man, those things would go for like over a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, and it's like I'd love to have a Von Erich in my uh, collection, but <laughs> it's hard to, you know, re- you know, be like, hey, honey, I just spent one hundred and fifty dollars on a Kerry Von Erich figure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because this show really does get you nostalgic, yeah. you know, and so you start wanting to, you know, pick up, you know, some figures or posters or, you know, 8x10s, anything, because yep. you're like, oh man, that these guys were such a big part of my life, you know, that, that yeah, you just want to 
relive that stuff. Oh yeah. I know on some of these, I know I found myself when, when I was watching these episodes, like I started looking for biographies. I wanted to find books on them. Right. Cause I have a large collection of books right now. I think the one that I'm reading right now is the story on Kurt Angle. I've, I've read like a lot of books on the history of wrestling and I mean, they're, they're great. I actually came across an, an encyclopedia of WWF. I still call it WWF. Uh, it'll always be WWF. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> It has, you know, some history of, uh, of about, you know, the Von Eriks and a lot of these wrestlers. So I, I totally know where you're coming from when you say when you're watching these el- these episodes, you get nostalgic. Like, yeah. You know, just how you're saying, you know, you're on there looking for, you know, elites of the Von Eriks to see what you can find. I know I was pumped up when I found my Hasbro of the Texas Tornado. And oh, right nice. There, there, it the there it is. There it is. There it is. Right yeah. there, you know? So that was one of the ones that was really hit home to me. So I was happy to know that I had that in my collection. On the Von Erics, we could go on and on. I know I've got so many memories and great matches of of uh, of the Texas Tornado. We could go on and on, just yeah. like that one, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, honestly, every episode. Every episode, we it, could do it's... that. That's going to lead us into episode five. The Mysterious Death of gorgeous Gino, Gino Hernandez. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of, I don't know a lot about Gino Hernandez. Yeah, he he was again. I believe he was in the world class championship wrestling, right? He was big in te- he was big in Texas. Yep. Which he ended up dying in Texas, or being killed, I should say. Um, he ended up getting into was it? Did he get? I, I, it's been a while since I watched the episode, but was it? He got hurt. And so he had the, I can't remember, somehow or another, he got tied up with some unsavory characters. I can't remember if it was a money thing or if he got hurt or, I, it's, like I said, it's been a, a second since I watched that episode. Um, there was, so there was a lot of stories leading up to it. They couldn't figure it, they couldn't figure it out. Right, they, yeah. He had been dead for a while and then they, and then they found him. So it's right here. We're going to, we're going to fact check people because we do that here. But on February 4th, 1986, concerned with Wolf's well-being, two WCCW officials, David Manning and Rick Hazard, and several local police officers broke into his Highland Park, Texas condo, discovering Wolf's decomposing corpse. He had been dead for approximately three to four days. Initially, Wolf's death was ruled a homicide case, but following autopsy reports, his death was ruled the result of a cocaine overdose. But there was like... If you watch the episode, they go into why it's kind of shady. He, like I said, he got mixed up with uh, some unsavory characters. And so that's why it's the mysterious death. Kayfabe started to yeah, around that time. You know, so that's exactly. <laughs> they. I don't think they ever give like a definite answer what happened. But they kind of give you, like you said, a little more than what's known. Right. I guess you can say. So, yeah, it, it's. Again, it's another episode where you're just like kind of sitting there with your mouth open because you didn't know any of this happened. You know, it, it, it. Again, dark side of the ring. They give you a dark side of the story, and they they really do a great job of of giving you as much information as possible. And the the great thing about this one is I know that there was a lot of speculation. Like, so there was a lot of rumors. So, you know, they they would talk to individuals, and someone always had some type of story about him. Right. That was one of the things that made it like really great. So, like, I guess he was such an iconic character to so many people that they had their own version of the story of his death. Like, they couldn't believe it. 
you know right so everybody drew up like their own their own idea of their own conclusion of what yeah their happened. own conclusion yeah. of what really happened yeah it, it's like i said it, it it's kind of a cool episode for that reason because you get so many sides so many sides that had never been talked about so yeah it, it go watch it it's another great episode it's just it's sad <laughs> yeah and it's it's wrestling history you know and like i said you know you get that locker room talk so Another great episode, and that leads us into the last episode of the season. And yeah. you know what? To be honest with you, I was actually looking forward to this one. I was I was waiting for the day for it to be released, and that's the story of the fabulous Mula. Yeah, she was she- one that I always had some type of interest in. Wondered what her history was. To her, to me, growing up watching her, I always felt like she was. A heel. Her her image, her face, she always seemed like she had a scowl over her. Like, I don't know. She was just, um, she was totally different to me. And I never really peeled the pages on her and like, you know, or peeled the onion and try to figure out her history or, you know, just to, to find more information on her. When this episode released, I was blown away. She was literally, I mean, she was a pimp. Yeah. The way they made the story out to be. You know, how she was treating these females of wrestling. And well, then... Well, she was... So let's go back a little bit to explain. So she was training girls, right? She was training girls. So she was basically training girls, and then she would send them out to the regional promoters who needed girls or whatever. Right. But the way... She had them all living, like, in a house, and... They were living with her, basically. Right. Treated them pretty she shitty, was, from what, yeah. what it sounds like. She was charging them Well, yeah, she for was, the training. She was charging them for the training, and then she would take a cut off what Wherever the promoter... Sent yeah. Them to. And so, yeah, she was basically a... Pimp. <laughs> yeah. And she was connected with the promoter that she was sending them to. Right. Because a lot of these girls, you know, just hearing their side of the story, you know, it's, you're just like, damn, this lady was a pimp. So let's talk about the fabulous Mula was supposed to have some type of trophy dedicated in WWE, right? Yeah. The females were supposed to get some type of. It was either going to be like... Because they did the... They it was going to be like a tournament, like the, the way... The Royal Rumble kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It was going to be part of like the, the Women's First Royal Rumble, like they did with the Andre the Giant right. one. Well, when the females from WWE, and I don't know who else it was, when they knew the story of the Fabulous Mula, that's when the backlash started coming. And they're like, right. hell no, I'm not going to wrestle... For this lady to they be recognized, yeah, they exactly because of the type of person that she was. At first, I don't think Dark Side of the Ring had came out yet when all this was going on. No. I can't remember. No, but I kept wondering. I'm like, what the hell's going on, or what the hell's the story behind this, and why they're you know they're fighting so hard to keep her name out of out of yeah out of this you know trophy that they were gonna win after watching the dark side of the ring you're like oh ah, i got it you know totally understood this one was another great story like i said guys we we can't say enough about dark side of the ring and we want to give you tidbits of it because like i said you know when just a cliff notes version just a cliff notes because we can't do it justice we cannot do it justice. I mean, this is it, this is us giving you know a little appetizer, hopefully a little teaser, just for you to go out there and check it out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, every story is great. Every episode is great. The production value; these guys did an amazing job. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, just go watch it. Go watch it. Watch it with your kids. Watch it with your significant other. It it's not a wrestling show. It's not. It's 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 a story about people, their lives. 
in the process, it might just remind you of something you remember and it'll get you nostalgic. And that, to me, that's the coolest part about it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Every every part of it. Like I said, you know, there's, you know, the, the biggest thing as me as a, as a wrestling fan growing up, I mean, I love the storylines. But just to hear somebody tell their side of the story from the locker room is, it just blows my mind. And it gives me exactly what I want as a wrestling fan. And just to go back on history, just to hear these huge stories that were drawn out from from wrestling, you know, because... Let's be honest, when we get together, you know, that's how some that's how we, we open up some of our, our dialogue when we're talking is, you know, yeah. oh man, remember this story or remember this or That's how me and you hit it off. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were at that pop swap and we just started talking, we started uh, talking WWE wrestling. and oh we need to make uh, this pop and yep. we, they, how come they don't have a Road Warriors <laughs> Funko and how come they don't have this and we hit it off and there here we are like a year plus later still talking wrestling. Exactly. <laughs> Something you can never give up on, man. So Funkaholics, that's all we've got for you today in this episode. Go out there and watch Dark Side of the Ring. Like I said, you're giving maybe 45 minutes of your time each episode, but I promise you, you will be drawn in for those 45 minutes. You will not blink. You will be at the edge of your seat. You will love every bit and part of it. And for those of you that have already watched it, already familiar with it, you know exactly what we're talking about here. As your host, Nando T, I just want to give you guys a huge thank you for... Some of the feedback that we've been receiving, give us a follow. Follow us on Instagram. That's where you're going to find all the information on the Funkaholics. It's simple, guys. Just subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. We would love it. We would appreciate it. You can catch us on all major podcast platforms. I don't know. I don't need to tell you which ones they are because if you're listening to podcasts, you know exactly where to go. I'm not going to hit you guys with a bunch of information and slam it down your throat. All I ask is that we just get that subscribe and that five-star rating. We would we would absolutely appreciate it, and it will help us bring you more content for future episodes. So I am signing off today, and I just want to give a shout-out to Sal here. And Sal, how can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Sal's underscore toy photos. Uh, you can check out all my uh, big photography there. I do a little bit of wrestling, Marvel Legends, Star Wars, a little bit of everything. So check it out. Guys, the photos are amazing. I can't say enough about him. He's already got former WWE superstar following him and loving what he's doing. So, guys, go out there. Give Sal a follow. Make, uh, make some comments on his photos. Shit, talk wrestling with him. Who knows? 